First, Mike Woodson brought IU back to relevance in the NCAA tournament. Now, he may be bringing back the IU-Kentucky rivalry as well. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, guys? It is Thursday, May 26th. This is Locked On Hoosiers, your daily one-stop shop for everything IU athletics. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rude. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Hoosiers your first listen every single day. Look, Mike Woodson has done a lot of great things in Bloomington in his very short time there, barely over a year at this point. But uh, one of the best things he could possibly do, something he hinted at on uh, Wednesday, him and Tom Allen both had a Q&A at Huber Winery in Bloomington. Led to a lot of very interesting quotes. We're going to spend today's episode just looking at what they said because by far the most interesting point is that Mike Woodson wants the rivalry with Kentucky back. Uh, He said, quote, I'm going to stay on his heels, uh, this being John Calipari. I'm going to stay on his heels about trying to get the Kentucky-Indiana series back on the table. Over the years, that was a hell of a game. It might not be Bloomington-Lexington, However, we've got to get it done. Uh, I'll take it. These, All these quotes are going to be courtesy of Zach Osterman, who was live tweeting it, Indie Star beat writer, amazing follow, and I'm sure all of you guys know who he is. But this is big news, big potential. The biggest hang-up for all this time has been uh, the reluctance or resistance for um, Indiana to – play the games on neutral courts. Basically, when Fred Glass was there, he said he wanted every four-year Indiana University student to see IU in Kentucky play in Assembly Hall. Uh, I believe one of his latest proposals was playing a four-year rotation of in Bloomington, in Indianapolis, in Lexington, and in another neutral location, presumably like a Louisville or something in Uh, Kentucky or something along those lines. But every four years, he wanted there to be a game in Bloomington. Uh, Tom Crean and Archie Miller seemed to hold similar ideas. There wasn't any pushback on that. But now Fred Glass isn't there anymore. Tom Crean isn't there anymore. Archie Miller isn't there anymore. And clearly the idea has changed for IU. And uh, they want to play this game regardless of where it's played at. And that's always been what Kentucky and John Calipari has wanted because the last time they played IU in the regular season in a game on one of the campuses was the watch shot. Uh, You guys can't see it. It's a picture hanging up right there, right beside me. Uh, Everybody remembers where they were for that shot. Um, Obviously, the storming of the court and things of that nature seemed to turn off John Calipari, and he has wanted neutral site games ever since. So that was the last time. 11 years ago that these two teams played and everybody's wanted the rivalry back on Indiana side, at least seemingly John Calipari has put a pretty hard uh, line in the sand that he's not going to go back to Bloomington and not going to go back to IU's campus. Honestly, I'll take it. I love the fact that the last time John Calipari came to Bloomington 
was the watch shot. Like, I love that. So if he doesn't want to come back and he wants that to be his lasting legacy in Bloomington, like, yeah, great. Awesome. I love it. But uh, I also understood Fred Glass's perspective on that and wanting every uh, every four-year IU student to see IU and Kentucky play or have the chance to because it created memories. Like, I, re- I was at the watch shot game. I remember – Every detail about that game, there were three or four times where I thought, I've never heard a building louder than this leading up to the, the actual shot itself. So everybody remembers that. I, I remember even IU losing those games. I was in attendance when uh, IU lost to John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins and Patrick Patterson uh, in the game that Mo Creek broke out. I remember being at that game as well. So uh, I understood why Fred Glass wanted that, but overall, I just want this game back because I remember being just as excited in 2016 when IU beat them in the uh, NCAA tournament. And I love the fact that that's the last game that IU and Kentucky have played as well. I, it, it seems whether you want to talk the tournament, whether you want to talk regular season, IU has beaten them in each regard in the last two meetings. So, um, I want this game back on the schedule, though. Put it in in Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Put it in the Yum Center in Louisville or whatever it's called now. I don't care where you put it. I just want this game back. And uh, it's a a great non-conference game. It's a rivalry game. It just makes sense. Like, I I never really understood why each side was drawing such hard lines in the sand on that matter. Even if I might have agreed with one of them, it felt like, like everybody enjoys watching this game played. So I'm glad that Mike Woodson is not only interested in bringing it back, but is willing to kind of compromise and and do what, what John Calipari and uh, Kentucky want in regards to playing at neutral sites, because who doesn't love watching that matchup? Even the colors go well together, like in a competing matchup, the red against the blue, like it's such a, a great, uh, rivalry that is one of my favorites and I want it back. So hopefully this is something that Mike Woodson, John Calipari, the ADs, Scott Dolson, I, I don't know Kentucky's AD offhand. Those guys can all get together, iron something out and get this game back on the schedule because I think that would make just about not only IU and UK fans happy, but college basketball fans happy because uh, that's one of the kind of true blood rivalries and one of the lasting rivalries, Mike Woodson played in that game. Uh, he played Kentucky four times back in the 70s and 80s. He lost to him three times, but he played in those games. The series dates back to the 60s. So, I mean, uh, bring it back and, and, and compromise. And maybe after a couple seasons of playing the game, you're able to renegotiate and bring the games back to campus. But just get this game back on the schedule and figure out some of the other details later. That wasn't the only thing Mike Woodson talked about. He gave some more scheduling updates and hints and things of that nature. Also talked a little bit about Trace Jackson Davis and his jump shot, and that was the big talking point from Trace. Uh, We'll look at the rest of his comments here in a moment. First, though, guys, we've been asking and Built Delivered. Built Granola Bars are here. Built Granola Bars come in three unbelievable flavors. Chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. Want to try all three flavors? You can get a mixed box at Built.com right now. These are so different from the bars and the puffs. 
Built granola bars are loaded with granola. It's the perfect combination of crunch and chewiness, but it's just like bars and puffs. These babies are packed with protein, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Of course they are. 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar. Built granola bars will change your world. Built has cracked the code to better granola. They're the perfect healthy snack to pack in your lunch, take on the road, or just eat as a snack. And they're made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently, provides tons of health benefits. So if you've been waiting for a healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market, this is your time. Head to Built.com right now to get the Built Granola Bars, all three delicious flavors to try. That was chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, white chocolate berry. Don't don't miss out. You got to get yours today. Go to Built.com to get Built Granola Bars now. Once you're there, once you get everything into your cart, use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thanks for making Locked On Hoosiers your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Mike Woodson talked a couple other little scheduling tidbits. He uh, mentioned that he talked to Kenny Payne over at Louisville about setting something up uh, in two years, which uh, Kenny Payne, obviously the new head coach at Louisville, uh, in two years, probably, it's not a coincidence that that is when the end of the Kansas games would be. I think that would probably be something that would fill in uh, for those Kansas games. IU will play at Kansas this year, home against Kansas in 2023. So, 2024 would be when we're looking at makes sense that he would want something to go in there. So maybe that's your, your next kind of big rivalry game. How fun would it be to play Louisville and Kentucky in the same season? I'm sure it's happened before, but it's been a while. I don't remember it happening in quite some time. Uh, Woodson also more or less confirmed that IU would be in the Gavit games. That's something we talked about. I didn't realize IU had committed to play five times in seven years. I had just read the general agreements uh, for the rest of the Big Ten. The, 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 the agreements with the Gavit games are all over the place, and people have played not a lot of games in it, and other teams have. But I use one of them that's going to play five times in seven years. They played four and six before this year, so it was kind of a given, I guess, that they're going to be in the Gavit games. It's probably going to be on the road since they played St. John's at home this year in it. There's a number of teams that could be really interesting. Uh, Villanova is probably going to be one of the best teams they could play. Lord, UNC or Duke, Villanova, Kansas, and Arizona on the schedule would be, whoo, boy. Uh, UConn is a, a team we talked about that has a history playing against IU. Xavier and Butler, obviously, geographically, uh, would be interesting. We've spoken about Butler and Thad Mata and whether that would be something that could lead to a series between the two. Uh, I don't know the last time IU – I don't. I certainly don't remember the last time IU played at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Uh, that would be a cool thing to see, but um, I don't know how much say Indiana has and in who they play in the Gavit games. IU is going to be a high-profile team, so they're going to put them in a high-profile game. Uh, locally, the Butler game would draw a ton of attention. Uh, nationally, UConn or Villanova 
uh, especially the latter, would draw a lot of attention. I don't know how much IU wants to challenge this team, but you could hardly get tougher than uh, whichever ACC opponent they're going to get, Villanova, Kansas, and Arizona. Uh, that would be a tested team. Uh, he also more or less confirmed IU would be playing Arizona. Officially, that hasn't been confirmed, but he said, quote, Kansas and Arizona are two great teams that have been competing when it's all said and done, so we'll see what we're made of when we face them. So you can pretty much mark those two down, Kansas and Arizona. He said he didn't know who the ACC game was going to be yet. Again, IU is as high profile as it's going to come in the Big Ten, along with probably Michigan next season. So IU and Michigan are going to play UNC and Duke. I would bet a good amount of money on it. What combination uh, they play, I'm not sure, but I would bet that those are going to be your two high-profile matchups next season. So IU is going to be tested next year in ways that they certainly were not in non-conference play this year. So there's not going to be any questions uh, heading into conference play about what IU is going to be because, boy, they are going to find out what they are going to be this season. He talked about, Mike Woodson is, or that is, about Trace's jumper. Uh, quote, he's got to shoot the basketball and feel good about shooting the basketball. He's going to make some. He's going to miss some. Uh, the general sentiment being that Trace is going to fail, but he is going to overall kind of improve his game if he starts taking the jumpers. That's a mindset thing that maybe isn't talked about enough. Around the rim, Trace is, I mean, you saw last season he was uh, nearly a 60% shooter around the rim last season. Uh, 58.9. So it's a, it's, it's a big difference. I mean, he's never shot worse than 51% around the rim. So half of his shots go in. It's going to be a lot different when you step out and only a third of your shots go in. Uh, maybe hopefully a little bit more than that, but that's what we're looking at roughly. So uh, it's going to feel like he's not executing as well, maybe, but Overall, it's more efficient. It's, uh, and I mean, I'm sure people hate hearing about analytics, but analytically, a three pointer is a better shot than a mid range jumper. We'll see what that mindset is for him, but overall, he does need to step out and take some jumpers. They're not going to go in at the same rate. I would love for him to shoot 58% from the three point line. Don't think it's going to happen, but uh, he, it's going to be a, a big challenge for him. The amount that Trace and Mike Woodson are talking about it is already more. They talked about it a lot last offseason. They've talked about it way more this offseason. So uh, that is encouraging because it really means both are focused on it. So hopefully they're able to um, intertwine that into the offense and get him shooting more three-pointers because it just adds another element to his game, to IU's offense, makes it a lot easier to do things. If he's a legitimate pick-and-pop threat, suddenly Race Thompson isn't so kind of out of uh, position or in awkward spots. We saw a lot last year. He kind of moved out to the corner. If there's the threat that uh, Trace could pick-and-pop, then you can move Race into that dunker spot, and the the paint isn't as crowded as much anymore. You have more options. Defenses have to be aware of more guys. That's more opportunity for them to mess up and somebody to be open. So it creates a lot more weapons and a lot more uh, dynamism 
to IU's offense. It, it becomes more, there's more threats on the floor. So hopefully, knock on wood, we see more of that. I'm sure that's not the last time we're going to discuss Trace shooting jumpers. Tom Allen was also at this uh, Q&A, I guess. He had a, uh, some really interesting comments about Big Ten football scheduling, which we've talked about. He provided some kind of insight from the coaches themselves as to what way he thinks things are trending uh, for divisions in the Big Ten. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. So obviously with the NCAA ruling last week, uh, divisions are almost certainly going to be gone in college football. If you want kind of a deeper dive on the topic and whatnot, we discussed it on last week's episode. Uh, I believe last Friday we talked about Big Ten and the divisions and how they're finally going to be gone, it seems like. And that's what uh, Tom Allen said. He thinks that kind of momentum is building toward um, divisions being gone in the Big Ten. Quote, at the end of the day, you just want equitable, equitable schedules. It's not surprising he says that because IU has not had equitable schedules. Compare IU's schedule last season to probably anybody in the Big Ten. And IU had a tougher schedule, and that's just the nature of teams in the Big Ten East. Uh, it's not just IU, it's Rutgers, it's Maryland. Even the bigger teams, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, uh, I'm sure those guys don't love the fact that they have to play Ohio State. They have to play each other basically every single year. There's no off game. Ohio State might not mind it because they need those wins to uh, be in the national championship conversation, but the rest of the teams typically aren't. I'm sure that they wouldn't mind one uh, one easier game mixed in there. But equitable schedules seems to be the thing that makes the most sense, uh, especially for a lot of the bottom-feeding teams uh, in the Big Ten East because that's realistically what IU has been more than not is a team at the bottom. And I'm sure they're tired of playing these games. I'm tired of watching IU lose to Ohio State. There's a few things I want more than IU football beating Ohio State. And as much as I want it, it hasn't really come close except for a few handful of times, but uh, it makes those losses all the more frustrating. In terms of what equitable schedules look like, Allen says, uh, said that he could see nine-game conference seasons um, staying. He mentioned the most sensible approach, he thought, was uh, keeping – two permanent opponents on the schedule and rotating the other seven games uh, every kind of, so that every four-year player visits a campus or every campus at some point in their career. The idea is right. I, I don't know logistically. It, it, it's a lot harder to do only two opponents staying every year and rotating the other uh, 11 games than it is uh, – three the three five five system we talked about because then it is really simple and the problem there though is that that is not a nine game schedule in the big ten so that could be why he is uh offering up the uh two opponents and seven other games kind of system I'm not sure what the Big Ten is going to do. They never necessarily do things the easy way. So as much sense as the three-five-five system makes, uh, they apparently want nine league games. So maybe it is three-five-five, and they do this partnership with the Pac-12 and the ACC, and 
Uh, there's your other game, and that's where the sacrifice is. Who really knows? All I know is that I want the Big Ten East to be done with. Like, I'm tired of it, tired of playing those games. Just end it. The quicker, the better. I would be stunned if they do it this season. I'm almost certain that they won't because the schedules are already kind of written in, in maybe not stone, but they're, they've been released. So they're not – they're not going to do it this year, but it'd be awesome if this was the last year of the Big Ten East. Uh, hopefully, the Big Ten doesn't drag its feet because uh, I I think I speak for all IU fans and probably most Rutgers and Maryland's fans that they're tired of being the team beaten up every year. Thanks again, guys, for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. We'll be back tomorrow with an exciting show with John Garcia the college football recruiting specialist for the Lockdown Network. We're going to talk Dave McCullough. We're going to talk Deshaun McCullough. We're going to talk the 2022 recruiting class, maybe some hidden gems mixed in there. Now, make your second listen, the Lockdown NBA Big Board podcast. Raphael Barlow, Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin give fans an in-depth look into the biggest prospects, the latest player rankings, and, of course, big boards. Follow Lockdown NBA Big Board every day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Follow us on Twitter if you haven't already, at LO underscore Hoosiers. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a rating and review. Most importantly, though, guys, have a tremendous Thursday and LEO.